Hi, this is Sarah Tebow. And this is Liz Bernstein, and we are the hosts of the Side Woo Podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible. From the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical. Welcome to the Side Woo. Hi, Side Wooers. This is Sarah recording from San Francisco, where I am for about a month doing an artist residency called the Space Program. And I'm super excited because tomorrow I'm going to be recording three episodes in their super fancy recording studio. So the Side Woo is really moving up in the world, going rigs to riches from ye old podcasting closet to a legitimate sound studio. So very exciting. Also, I wanted to mention that next month I will be doing a talk with the Wave Collective, a new artist-run space and collective in, I believe it's based in Oakland. And the subject of the talk will be kind of inspired by my new interview series called Free Agent. Free Agent is a series of interviews with artists, writers, musicians, and other creators who share their thoughts about their career decisions. And they talk about the kind of pros and cons of either going the traditional route or going their own way. And so the the subject of the talk, I think, will really be about entrepreneurialism within art and whether or not we need to go the prescribed route, like work with a gallery, work with a big publisher, you know, do the things that we're told in art school that we're supposed to do to be successful, or if there's not benefit in being smaller and, you know, having more flexibility, you know, taking home more of your earnings, that kind of thing. So I think, you know, I don't have any personal opinion either way, but I'm curious to hear from people who have gone the more independent route. And the next interview that I'm doing is with writer Andrew Watkins, who is a friend of mine that I met at a residency. And she has published a number of books with a small press. Her second book, a memoir, actually managed to get on the New York Times bestseller list. And it was all because of her own independent marketing efforts. So I'm excited to share that conversation with everyone. And you can check that out on my Substack, artdate.substack.com. And all free agent articles will be for subscribers only, along with recorded conversations as those become available. And that's only $5 a month. So consider contributing. It also kind of helps fuel the side woo. So, you know, just think about it. And yeah, so on to the episode. I'm super excited. This week, I talk with researcher Tracy Poff, who is doing her PhD on medical intuitives. So she got interested in this subject after visiting a medical medium to help with her daughter's illness that had kind of carried on and was not being explained by the Western medicine doctors that she had been going to. And she just found the person that she talked to super interesting and was inspired to learn more. So as we talk about, she goes back to school and eventually ends up in this doctorate program that she's now in studying medical intuitive practices. We talk about, you know, what exactly is a medical intuitive? What do they do? How do you discern a good one when meeting one for the first time? And also just a general discussion of how intuition can form our decisions. And I think this is a really important topic, which is why it keeps coming up in multiple episodes of The Side Woo. I think, you know, kind of underlying all 
woo-woo skills is this connection to intuition. So that part's really interesting as well. If you have any thoughts or feedback about this episode, as always, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can email us at thesidewoo at gmail.com. Or if you enjoy an episode, feel free to subscribe, rate, review, and share The Side Woo with your woo-woo friends on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram for updates at The Side Woo. All right. Well, with that, I will leave you to the episode. so much for joining we do kind of like always start with the question of what sign are you love it i and my sun sign is aries yes and because of my daughter who's into astrology i know that my rising sign is taurus okay and my moon is in scorpio okay and your descendant (laughs) then would be in scorpio because I am a Scorpio rising, and so like opposite of that is Taurus, right? Okay. So that's interesting. Astrology. Oh, it's okay, but I love (laughs) that you know all those three things. Uh, And how does that show up for you? Again, I don't study astrology, so I don't, I don't know. But from what my daughter has told me, well, I know even that Aries is the first sign in the zodiac, Mm -hmm. and I. And the number one seems to be present when we do my numerology, mm. adds to a one. So one and and f- being the first tends to show up. Oh, in interesting. Life. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we can get into that a little bit more as we start talking. <laughs> but the other thing I will say is like a Scorpio moon would definitely draw you to the occult. So being interested in medical mediumship, that checks out for a Scorpio moon. And also for a a descendant, Scorpio descendant, because that would be like business partnerships. And so having partnerships within like Scorpio, I think that would also kind of like lead you towards potentially like occult related subjects. Hmm. Okay. But just a little fun (laughs) fact. You know, I'd love to just dive in. We're here to talk about medical mediumship and like people who work as medical intuitives, which I'm curious also if there's like a difference between those differentiating labels. Mm -hmm. But maybe you could talk a little bit what your current like belief system is and maybe like how you got into the field of medical mediumship as like a scholar. Okay. So belief system... Interestingly enough, my introduction to medical intuition, that is the terminology I use, helped shape my beliefs and worldview, spiritual outlook. So at this point, I perceive us as spiritual beings having a human existence. So that's the way I move through life. That's my primary lens. So when I have an experience particularly one that might be upsetting or tension provoking, that's my go-to. I remind myself Mm. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. So therefore there's another way to look at this. Meaning Mm. if I'm, like I said, upset is usually a trigger for me to do some reflection and reframing. Mm. So my go-to 
for self-soothing and for a new understanding or another way to look at something is to say, how can I step back, see this from a broader perspective? Mm -hmm. Is there something my soul might be wanting me to learn out of this? What is the gift in this? So that's generally how I move through life and my over overall view is that we are more than these physical bodies. I tend to believe that the physical body is just a small fraction of what we truly are. So that's what I try to reach into as I move through life. And how do you get to that type of place? Because that's so cerebral. And so there's this moment of like something goes wrong and you get like just you get almost out of your mind. How do you bring yourself back to that? I'm just curious because I know I've heard that before and I try to go there as well. But I think there's there are situations where like you're just like fully in your physical reaction. Mm -hmm. How do you stop and be like, oh, I'm a spiritual being. Let me namaste this. (laughs) Well, sometimes there's a gap between the moment of the – well, often, right? So there's the the human reaction and I'm having my upsetness and – then but what I one thing I've learned to do is to honor that upsetness. Meaning mm. when I first came into this perspective of viewing myself and everybody as spiritual beings first, there was a period where I would berate myself. That's probably too strong of a word, but mm. get down on myself if I didn't immediately see a situation from a broader perspective. Yeah. But I've I've learned to allow myself that experience because that is why I'm here, I think, to have mm. a human experience. So so I've, I, if I, excuse me, when I find myself in a, an experience of upset, I just, it's okay. I can have the upset. And then whatever the a period of time is, maybe it's only a minute if it's a slight experience or, or maybe it's a day or two or three, but inevitably I find myself going back to that mantra. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And I guess because I've practiced it enough, mm-hmm. it's really second nature. So oh, cool. So the how to is is really it's already it's second there. nature now. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And what does it usually end up revealing to you like when you do that type of exercise? Is there a common theme that happens? Oh, I love that question. Often what I'm reminded of is that we have a choice and where we anchor our, our identity. So mm, okay. if I'm... That's very areas of you, actually, to say that. <laughs> so, yeah. So one thing I'm often reminded of when I go through this process is that upset usually indicates that I'm attached to something, i.e. I'm mm. putting my identity around something. So if I wanted okay. a situation to work out a certain way and it did not, and then I get upset, then I'm, that shows me, oh, I guess I was attached to an outcome there. Mm-hmm. So one of the practices is to let go of that attachment and to trust mm-hmm. that there is a broader intelligence at work, that I do not have all the answers, that I don't know the best way forward all the time, unless I tune in and connect with that level of awareness. So identity, attachment, those are things that come up a lot. Mm-hmm. Compassion, compassion for self, compassion for others, 
understanding, taking into account others' perspectives. Those are probably some common themes. Those are good ones. Yeah, that, that'll keep you busy for a couple lifetimes. <laughs> for a lifetime. Exactly. <laughs> so. Amazing. And so mm. how did you – do you mind sharing – your story of how you became like more aware of and interested in the medical intuitive community? Sure. Although it's interesting when you add the word community, that's not what I resonate with. I'm I'm interested in in the phenomenon. Okay. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) So my daughter, who's now 19, when she was a toddler, experienced some health issues. And this that was the entree into understanding that there was this skill called medical intuition. So, so this was 15-ish years ago. At that point in my life, I did not understand that we were spiritual beings. So my, and my husband's approach at the time initially was conventional. How do we approach these health issues? And so we get online and looking at different practitioners. And very quickly in that process, we were directed toward an alternative approach. And I'm hesitating. I'm, I, I don't want to violate my daughter's privacy. But, but basically, it set me on this path of trying one modality after another. And somewhere in there, I heard of homeopathy. And I don't know if you're familiar with homeopathy, but mm-hmm. it's Part, it's vibrational medicine, meaning it works on the theory of energy and energy signatures. So homeopathic remedies, you can buy them at Whole Foods, mm, for example, yeah. or a health food store. And they're little pellets, on lactose pills, little pellets that dissolve in your mouth. And conventional practitioners would look at this and say, well, there's nothing going on there. You take these little pellets, but it's just lactose and, and the original substance, there's for example, Arnica, that's a common one that people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. There's none of it there in the pellet. And yet I talked to mothers who were healing their children of health issues using homeopathy. So that mm. was really my first eye-opening experience of looking beyond conventional ways to treat to treat health. I see. So that was like the gateway. That was great way to put it. That was the gateway. And so so I started to accept that maybe there's a whole world that I didn't, I wasn't familiar with. So then the next big eye-opening experience for me was working with a medical intuitive for, on behalf of our daughter. And that really was mind-blowing. My first experience on the phone with a medical intuitive, my left brain is circling around analyzing logically, like what? Like how can this person see into my daughter's body? Like it made no sense from a logical perspective. Can you describe a little bit, maybe without giving any specifics away around your daughter's illness, but just like what that conversation was like? Because I haven't worked with one before and I'm guessing most people haven't. So I'd love to hear that as you talk about being skeptical, like what actually was being said or like the tone of things. Sure. On that particular call. So let me just clarify. And again, this comes back to terminology. This practitioner, I would call her, I would describe her as a medical intuitive. She was a dowser. So, but that falls into the same realm, meaning she was accessing information from the field of consciousness, my words, non-locally. So we were on the telephone 
I'm at home. She's where she is. She'd never met me, never met my daughter, didn't know one thing about anything other than Mm -hmm. I think I gave her my daughter's name and her age. And I think I, and I gave her my intention, why I was calling and Mm -hmm. she took it from there. So in that particular instance with her skill set, she looked at the organs of my daughter's body. So I remember we talked about the Mm -hmm. kidneys, liver. And how um, did she link in? Did you like say her name or did she have a photo or? So at the beginning I told her my daughter's name and age. And I think I told her where we are, our city. Because I know that there's some practices where when someone says a name, you can link into the way that they say it as an energy, like you're imagining it as the patient or whatever. And then the reader can tune into your connection to that person. And so it's the energetic cord that gets created. So I'm wondering if that's how she did it. Yeah. Mechanically, I don't know. So when you say energetic Mm -hmm. cord, I couldn't comment on that, but I do know having since worked with other medical intuitives and having read a lot about it, a name is often all they need. Yeah, And sometimes that name is given by a doctor who calls a medical intuitive. The mm. doctor might be stumped about a diagnosis and then they know a medical intuitive and they'll give the patient's name. Mm. So anyway, so she, from the information she was receiving through the way she did it, in that case, using the tool of a, a pendulum, I believe, mm she was gathering information about the state of these organs and if there was toxicity buildup. And and so at the end of that review, she happened to be a practitioner who also would give recommendations about a healing protocol. Not all medical intuitives do that. Some simply provide information. So we've decided to follow her recommendations, which were a series of baths for detoxification purposes. So with Epsom salts, Mm. for example, and some nutritional supplements you can buy off the shelf. And anyway, so that, that was the phone call. So my left brain is saying, how is this possible? And yet at the same time, my intuition, you know, let's say it's my right brain, and really every cell of my body was saying, this feels right. Mm. So for me, this was an experience not only in understanding, being an entree into the world of medical intuition, but acknowledging and understanding how my own intuition worked, meaning I mm. literally felt it on a cellular basis. Like I said, enough that it overrode whatever the logic was, the intellect wanted to say about it. Mm-hmm. I could just feel in my body the compulsion to follow what this woman said. I felt in my body that what she was saying was right. Now, was it quote right? I don't know, but it felt mm-hmm. like it felt like it. So it was a big lesson for me and because it felt like a leap of faith when I hung yeah. up the phone mm-hmm. to implement her suggestions, which like I said, they were off the shelf supplements and some baths it didn't seem like it was going to cause any harm. So it, but it just felt like a leap of faith. I remember using that phrase at the time because it just felt right. Mm. And so that's what I would say intuition is. It's a felt sense. Then from there, you had this experience of following her advice, right? And maybe you could talk about why why this was so transformative for you. Right. Because I was so entrenched in my intellect up until that point, that's the way I moved through the world, very analytical, 
I, in hindsight, I was also very intuitive, although I didn't acknowledge that or I didn't address it that way. I wouldn't mm. have framed it that way. But when I look at big decisions I made in my life, they were very, they were based on my intuition. I was in corporate life. I was a business person. And so I was very analytical. So having this experience where I followed the recommendations of somebody who'd never met me nor my daughter, I had no information. It was transformative in that it showed me there's obviously way more out there than I knew. Meaning we are creatures that move through this world in ways I never understood or even considered before. So that led me to understanding how is this possible? So then I'm wildly interested in consciousness. And so that's what I dove into was understanding. And I wanted to say, I think this is important. Your daughter got better, Mm -hmm. which I don't think you said yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could just. Yeah. Thank you for it. Yeah. That. Just talk about that quick. Cause if, I feel like had she not gotten better, you maybe wouldn't have been so excited. Like, yeah. Although at that point, it had been two and a half years of intense work on behalf of her health and well being. So if it, if it made no change, I mean, I think I, I probably still would have been interested, been opened up. Yeah, because because of that personal resonance I felt with everything this woman was saying on the phone and because of my experience with homeopathy mm-hmm. and understanding, like I said, this was a whole new world for me, the world of what I would call vibrational medicine. And so I bought books. Cindy Dale has some books and learned about subtle energy, which was a new term to me at the time. Well, and so, okay, I just want to get back to, because I feel like when people hear a story about like being opened up, I think... Again, I do think it is significant that you had this proof that this person was doing her job the right way. So it feels significant given what we're going to talk about that it did result in a positive outcome. Do you know what I mean? I hear you. It it, it sounds like we're talking about proof and well, I f- meaning yes, it, and I think it's I I get that you say that you were opened up, but I do feel like if it hadn't worked at all, maybe it wouldn't have felt so urgent to pursue this path. I don't know. That's just the impression I had when we first spoke. I really can't say because that is the way it unfolded. So I guess we we're getting into a hypothetical if we say, well, what if it didn't unfold that way? I couldn't answer that because it's a hypothetical question. What I can say is that because I was already interested in this notion of subtle energy and vibration, frequency, because of my interest in homeopathy, Mm -hmm. regardless of the outcome of implementing those recommendations from the medical intuitive, I mean, I can surmise that I may still have pursued it because of the Mm -hmm. way I felt Mm -hmm. when I talked to her. It was this feeling of, there was such certainty mm-hmm. in the way she spoke on the phone, such genuineness, mm-hmm. such clarity. Clarity really is actually the word that comes forward the most. Mm-hmm. That was really intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I don't know how things would have turned out differently, but it was really the, the way she spoke and the clarity with which she spoke mm-hmm. that really intrigued me. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Part of it is, I feel like I had a couple things come up while you were talking, but maybe we can just move on. I think I, I part of it is I want to 
create a clear picture for our listeners, the narrative, because you and I talked and I have a narrative in my head that is what happened in terms of like timeline. And I just want to communicate it basically that you had been going to doctors for your daughter Mm -hmm. for a long time with no results or really no clarity. Well, there were some, there, there were, there were some. So actually everything we did, I felt helped, Oh, but we got to a point where I felt like we had tapped out the various modalities and treatments and it felt like a missing piece. Mm -hmm. It felt, if I think of my daughter's health and wellness and vitality and vibrance, a hundred percent, I felt like we were 85. I felt like there was still a missing piece. So, so the experience with a medical intuitive, I felt like that was the piece that filled in the puzzle. I felt, Mm -hmm. okay, now she's, She's a hundred percent. She's back to square one. I, my, I see. Yeah, like you just didn't feel like a full recovery. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. the other thing that came up was your interest in this other kind of realm, I feel is evidenced by you would even consider going to a medical medium or a medical intuitive because- I didn't know that's who I was going to though. Oh, really? Oh, how was it presented to you? Yeah. So, so that was really funny. So that's another good hypothetical question. Would I have called this woman if I knew who I was calling? Yeah. I don't know. But the way it was presented to me, I, I had had my daughter at an osteopath. And so at the end of the appointment, we were, I was talking with the osteopath because we were there for this recurring issue. And she said to me, well, if you want to try something else, she, and she wrote this phone number on a little yellow post-it note and I think she said to me in the moment, this woman's a dowser, mm. but it went in one year and out the other because I didn't know what that was. Totally. Yeah. And so all I knew- I've never heard that term to be used in that way. So oh, okay. I wonder where she- Yeah, that's interesting. So I, it, like I said, that the word really meant nothing to me. All I was focused on in the moment was, oh, here's another practitioner, another modality we can try. Well, I shouldn't say modality, but another practitioner who might have another perspective. So when I called this woman's number, I literally thought I was calling to set up an appointment to then, like she was some kind of practitioner, and then I was going to set up an appointment, walk my daughter into her office, and then I would find out what would unfold. And so I didn't even know that's who I was calling. So I was- That's hilarious. It it is hilarious. And so when I got on the phone and she started just doing her thing, it took me- Several minutes to figure out what was what's going on. You were like, "I'm sorry." Exactly. What are we even talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even imagine. Well, and so just to go back to so, you had this session. She was energetically, remotely looking at your daughter's organs to check for whatever signs of disrepair or who knows, and at the end of it, you're like, I'm really excited to learn more. Have you found that the other medical intuitives you've met, do they all kind of work the same? I just want to get a big picture. Okay. What is a medical intuitive for people? That's a, that's a great question. I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but the analogy that just came forward is, you know how there, there are doctors who specialize, there are ear, nose, and throat doctors, there are cardiologists, there are oncologists, there are different specialties medical intuition, what I'm finding anyway, is that it's similar, meaning Mm. they're definitely not identical in the way they work. They may not 
focus on the exact same levels of energy. For example, some medical intuitives may focus more on reading psycho-spiritual information, emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic information that they pick up in those Mm. domains, whereas others might be more skilled at reading the the human body, physiology, and anatomy. They mm, There are okay. those who can zero in, look at your heart, look at your stomach, and get down to the cellular level. Mm-hmm. Some have described it as their experience is as if they are inside the body looking from that mm-hmm. perspective. So not every medical intuitive necessarily has that experience. That person, though, who does that may also read psycho-spiritual information. So they're they're all definitely unique and have their unique skill sets. The generality would be that they can work remotely, meaning they can sit where they are and read a client who's located somewhere else and they can tune into that person and pick up information in what I call the subtle energy realms. Have you done research into why like remote viewing is possible? It feels like it gets into this like quantum physics territory. Yeah, it fascinates me because that was one of my questions from the get-go. I was like, how is this possible? So I, I've come across through my studies various theories. One of the main mm-hmm. findings from quantum theory is the theory of entanglement. Mm-hmm. And so that is one way to explain non-local awareness. So if I'm sitting here, you're sitting Mm. there, we're in different cities, entanglement would suggest that there's... It's two atoms in different places can communicate. Exactly. Because the basis is because they once shared a a, like state. So, So one way to look at it is if there was the Big Bang and the material world as we know it, if it came from that, well, that means everything was together, one unified ball or mass. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Right. Like it was all connected and then broke. Exactly. Exactly. So so entanglement says, well, because there were once a shared state, then they're always in communication. Adam's and subatomic particles are always in communication. So we we did talk to a physicist to try and oh, research okay. the subject, me and another person who'd been on the show before. And the one that we talked to said he couldn't conclusively come on and say that it was true for everything because the vacuum in which it gets studied is so specific and small that mm-hmm. they have a harder time proving it, partly because if entanglement works and our thoughts can change the outcome of something, it's like impossible to really have a controlled environment bigger than a tiny little like vacuum that they use in physics. What I'm like physics <laughs> in quantum physics. So I'm sorry. Also right. the cat is like completely oh, laying and attacking me. I don't know if you can see, but he's like grabbing my arm. Oh, <laughs> so it's a little distracting. Okay. But no buddy. So Yeah. Well, okay. So physics is... Right. So theories and mechanics. And another goldmine of information is going back to ancient philosophies, Vedic and Jain and Tibetan. They've talked about subtle energy fields and the connection between a continuum, if you will, between subtle, non-dense energy and dense energy. Mm. So if physical matter is 
let's say that's the most dense. Mm-hmm. I'm not a physicist, don't quote me, but but if that's the most dense, then and let's say thought is obviously less dense because we in our physical body normally don't see thought. Mm -hmm. It's all on one continuum. Mm -hmm. So that's another way to look at it Mm -hmm. is an avenue of connection that all energy is connected, just has different levels of densities. Yeah. Different vibrations. Cool. Well, I feel like we went off on to a like scientific realm that neither one of us are quite ready to get into, but I do love that Not an expert. there is a way to talk about this that is more kind of Western scientifically based because I think it'll be interesting to see how research evolves to explain things that right now are considered like too woo-woo or whatever. How about we switch gear? Actually, you went through this like personal experience and it sounds like it really propelled a bunch of new research for yourself. Mm-hmm. How did you decide to go back to school for it? <laughs> That's a great question because I had no intention of going back to school. I'd already had a master's and had my career and then had my children. And yeah. But once I got into this topic, this subject of consciousness and subtle energy, I was hooked. I mean, all, I mean, if you saw my library at home, the gazillion books I have, and it came to a point where I was just compelled to find, gosh, I'm looking back, Was I, what was I looking for? A community, maybe, of other like-minded, mm. like-intended individuals. Yep. Like I said, I used to be this more analytical, logical, led with the intellect self through the world. So meaning at one time I valued credentials. Mm-hmm. But by the time I entered that master's program in spiritual psychology, I really had no interest in credentials and honestly was going to take it as a certificate program because Mm. that was an option as well. But then when I saw that tuition was the same, might as well get the degree. Yeah. So then fast forward another few years later, I literally just woke up one morning with impulsion to look at PhD programs Mm. in spiritual psychology. So again, it was not on my radar Mm -hmm. screen. That one was really out of the blue to me. Because what would I do with a PhD? I, I really wasn't, I wasn't looking for that. And so in very short order, next thing you know, I was enrolled in a PhD program in transpersonal psychology. And from the minute of the first class, I knew I was in the right place. I'm like, ah, I see why I was led here from my own intuition. I love being in a community of learners and talking about consciousness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been fabulous. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And what is transpersonal psychology? Transpersonal psychology is, it's a a branch of psychology that extends beyond the normal human identity with the physical self. So we look at interconnectedness, Mm -hmm. transcendent experiences, spiritual or mystical experiences. Mm -hmm. How do those experiences inform who and what we are? Does that type of practice usually make its way into therapy or like how does one engage with that? Yeah. So while that's not my path, I do know there are psychotherapists who have a grounding in transpersonal psychology, which is really helpful for, from my perspective, again, I haven't participated in this, but helpful when someone has a spiritual experience, a mystical experience that seems unexplainable from their intellect and they're grasping for answers. And so 
having a grounding in transpersonal psychology offers new perspectives, broader perspectives. And like I said, brings in this piece of interconnectedness and perhaps new worldviews. And so transformation is actually an area of study within transpersonal Mm. psychology, meaning moving through the world with one worldview and then having either one experience or a multitude of experiences that lead to a shift in worldview, a shift in how one sees the world, sees the nature of reality, which is exactly what happened to me. (laughs) Is that something like trauma or is that more something like a metaphysical experience? What kind of experience usually comes with that territory? Could be either of those. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's actually a great book. Marilyn Schlitz is one of the authors. I think it's called Living Deeply, all about worldview transformation. And they share case studies, case histories, if you will. Mm -hmm. They interviewed many, many people about what led to their shift in worldview. And yeah, really, like you said, could be traumatic, could be a metaphysical or mystical experience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are transformed watching a sunset. Wow. Yeah. They just have like their moment. Yeah. So I I think there's no limits on what type of experience can prompt a shift in the way we see the world. And now that you've gone down your path of choosing to work on, you know, and research medical intuitives, what about that as a field do you feel is interesting? And what do you wish people knew about it? Mm. That's a great question. Because What excites me about this field is the potential, the potential to add to healthcare choices, meaning sometimes doctors are stuck in diagnosing a patient. And what I've learned is that a typical reason people consult medical intuitives is that they have been either undiagnosed or they've been suffering with a chronic condition for a long time with no real mm. answers about how to move out of it. So having like gone through the medical right. industry and just not found results or right, right. So I mean, I want to give kudos to the medical profession for all the wonderful things they do and all the millions of people who are helped. But yeah, sometimes absolutely. Sometimes the answer isn't there. And so this field is so valuable because there are many people walking around with chronic conditions or undiagnosed mm-hmm. conditions. And so this is, I mean, I certainly couldn't guarantee it would help everybody, but it's another path. It's, it's another avenue to try. So there's such value in it. And there's also value in doctors and medical teams teaming with medical intuitives early in the diagnostic process. Now, medical Mm. intuitives do not diagnose. They're not licensed to do that. And any credible medical intuitive will tell you that. But they can, they might be able to see things that the medical team is not seeing because they are developed in their metasenses, if you will, whether it's clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, these what we would call extrasensory perception, that's their bailiwick. And so sometimes it behooves a physician or medical team to consult with somebody who has that developed faculty to see something that they're not seeing, that the medical team isn't seeing. Mm. So just common sense would say the earlier 
that that if if a medical team is in uh, getting stuck or stumped early in the process, the it would just seem to alleviate a patient's suffering sooner rather than later to right. get somebody else involved. So I think there's real value. Have you talked to a lot of like hospitals and doctors' offices that partner? I have not personally talked to doctors who partner with medical intuitives, but I've read about them. So for example, there's a doctor in Arizona. There was an article written about him in 2000 about his teaming up with a medical intuitive, Francesca McCartney, who runs the Academy of Intuition Medicine Mm. in Marin County in California. Mm. She's written about the fact that there are medical teams who team with medical intuitives. It kind of reminds me of a police force which, you know, however people feel yes. about police forces, but working with mediums to find missing people. Yes. Or, yeah. Help exactly. With a, solve a crime. Yes. Yeah. Use the resources we can. Actually, one of my PhD colleagues, that's his, his dissertation research is about using what we call telepathy clairvoyance to assist mm. police cases. Oh, interesting. Something that you said made me think about women and the way that we navigate the medical industry and how it's different than what men experience and like how a lot of female illnesses aren't as studied or researched and don't have solutions to them the way that like male problems, like, you know, I just watched the Amy Schumer stand up special on Netflix where she talks about how she had endometriosis And there's no treatment for it other than getting a hysterectomy. And she's like, Mm -hmm. because it's a women's problem. So it's never been studied. Whereas, you know, there's chewable Viagra in case like (laughs) someone doesn't want to take a pill. The poor little baby can chew it. So you got to make sure it tastes good and all this stuff. (laughs) So I'm like classic Amy, but I'm like, it's so true. There's so many things like I used to get this rash like around my mouth. That's really unique to women. Mm-hmm. And I would go to the doctor and they would never know anything about it. They would throw these things at it and say like, oh, cut out this in your diet. Like try this topical ointment. You know, it's probably hormonal, whatever that means. I'm like, isn't that your job to know what that means? Shouldn't someone be studying what that actually means and why I get this fucking crazy goatee rash on my face? I don't know. So I wonder if there's this like, I don't know, like the medical intuition. I don't know. Are all of the ones that you've met or talk with women? Well, interesting that you ask because I've noticed the majority of medical intuitives Mm -hmm. that I've come across, either that I've talked to personally or that as I'm researching online, I'm just going, I get a lead and I'll go look at their website. Mm -hmm. The majority are female. And I've learned that the clientele is also largely female. Yeah. Well, and I guess I can't speak to them, but I would assume there is a sense of just not being heard or seen in medicine as a patient. Because I've had that experience where I just, aside from what I was just talking about, feeling like, oh, I know that this thing is wrong or I don't want to have this experience. And then no one honoring that for you Mm -hmm. and just creating this general distrust of doctors when, you know, you're thinking that they're supposed to be there for you. And then like you have an experience and it ruins that relationship. Although I am not here to knock down Western medicine. Actually, Mm -hmm. I do want to get to the more critical questions at some point, but I did want to say medicine is not easy for women to navigate. And 
I'm curious to hear that, that a lot of the clientele are women. I have found in studying mediumship that most of the mediums I meet are women. But then if you think about how many famous mediums there are, it's interesting how many of those are men. Hmm which kind of just reminds me of every other industry out there where I worked at this makeup company and like all the employees were women except for two. And then the CEO was a man and you're like, but why (laughs) that makes no sense anyway. So I guess on that note, the reason that I became interested in medical mediumship or intuitive practices is I read this article in vanity fair called the medical medium and the believer, which was really, really critical of this one particular medical medium. And that's like his brand name. And I don't actually remember his name. And and it, it, this question isn't really even about him, but it made me realize, oh, whether or not this person is a fraud or if they're real, these type of articles are so harmful mm-hmm. to the whole field of study and a practice because most people don't run into a medical intuitive. They don't naturally have access to that, I would say, and even more so don't have access to that within themselves and Mm. are not given insight into how a medical intuitive works, how, what type of skill set they're relying on, that we all have. Like I personally believe like everyone has an intuitive sense that can be heightened for the benefit of different types of practices, whether you want to channel it as just generally to be more intuitive or be a medium, or maybe you want to focus it on medical issues, which I also think we're given gifts in those areas potentially. But yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that because have you run into people where you didn't trust that they actually were able to do what they said they were? And how did you discern that? Because I think discernment is maybe the word. Like, that's the hardest part about all of this is how do you know when someone's actually doing what they say that they're going to do or that they're telling the truth? Or I love that word discernment. And for me, that shows up internally with this cellular response, for lack of another way of saying it. When I talked to that woman all those years ago on the phone about my daughter, it wasn't a, so there's probably an intellectual aspect of discernment, but in my experience, there's also a felt sense. I would think many people have had the experience of talking with someone and getting an inner signal of their genuineness, of their sincerity, of, it's like my Teachers in my spiritual psychology program used to talk about the energy that the words ride on is more important than the words themselves. Mm. And I think we all have that built-in detector. When we speak with someone, is it genuine? Is it honest from within that person? And I think that's all part of discernment, that meter going off in our mind or in our body in a felt sense way, saying something feels wrong or something doesn't feel right, something is out of alignment. So I think personal experience is our best barometer. Back in the day when I was first opening up to this idea that, oh, people can use non-local awareness to tap in to another person's energy field and get information, I talked to several practitioners, not medical intuitives, but just intuitives, 
or psychics. I remember one stood out. I felt sort of a, a flatline after talking with her. I felt, mm. you know, like nothing really resonated for me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've come to discern is what's going mm. on inside of me when somebody offers me information or reflection of what they're seeing in my field. What do I think? Because at the end of the day, you know, we are our best barometer. We are inside of our body. We know our experience. Our authority is the only authority at the end of the day in terms of what is what feels best for us, what feels right, what feels true. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Because I, I think that even if you're dealing with a doctor at a normal doctor's office, to some extent, you have to have that barometer too. Because I personally had a series of medical things that I had to go through that I didn't want. And that kind of opened the door for me to be more critical of things that they want you to do that, or I've had friends who their kids are experiencing something and the doctors are like, well, you should really do this. And they just don't feel right. And are going through this process of, do you question the authority of the doctor? So yeah, I think that's something Mm -hmm. that we need to use all the time. And I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And so how would you advise someone wanting to en- engage with or talk to a medical intuitive based on what you've learned? What would you say the best way to do that would be? What should they expect and what things maybe wouldn't they expect if that's an okay way to phrase it? The first thing that comes forward is having a clear intention what is prompting the desire to talk with a medical intuitive. Mm. I've noticed in science and parapsychology, it's very up to date anyway, it's it's largely experimentally driven. So mm. to the extent that mediumship or intuition, psychic abilities have been studied, there's most of the literature is regarding experiments, meaning let's bring in somebody with these so-called abilities and then experiment and mm. have, have them perform. And, yeah. and it's, it's been noted that that's an artificial environment. And so therefore the results may be different than if it was a genuine, sincere environment. So Mm. that seems relevant when somebody, if somebody's seeking a medical intuitive, if they're doing it, just a carnival image comes to mind. If it's just Mm. for a dog and pony show kind of thing, I don't know what kind of experience they're going to have. But if somebody shows up to the table with a sincere intention, oh, I have this chronic issue and I have no answers for it, and they're sincerely showing up, then the intuitive can meet them in that sincere heart space, Mm. my words. And yeah, so I guess that I'm just emphasizing the intention. Why, what has prompted somebody to seek the services of a medical intuitive? Mm. And why do you think that matters? Because it does feel a little bit like science, if it is following like the, the rules of logic in the sense that someone's physiology or their energy field if there's something wrong with them medically, that wouldn't necessarily change regardless of why they're going to an intuitive. So why do you think it matters what their intention is? Because I feel like I've had some of the most wild experiences when I've been the most skeptical. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on that. I guess I was just discerning between somebody wanting to test a medical intuitive for the sake of testing. So for example, mm-hmm. I went to a Reiki practitioner once, Reiki being a, a hands-on healing modality, energy medicine. But you can um, do that remotely too. Yes. 
at the time that was in person, that the particular experience I'm thinking about. And I remember her sharing with me, the Reiki master sharing with me that sometimes people would show up to quote, test her. So I guess, so I don't need, I see need to make a saying. big, I don't need to make a big deal about it. I guess I was just discerning if one has a genuine interest in approaching a medical intuitive for a genuine need, then I think part of your question was, well, how would they do that? What would they look for? Mm. And the word experience keeps popping up in my mind. I think that like many things in life, we just learn by experience. So right. we, we have an experience with some, let's say I call a medical intuitive and I have an experience. And, and if I have that quote, flatline experience that I had with a, a certain mm. practitioner many, many years ago, then it's my information to do with what I will, right? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Before we get that resonance, the practitioner is telling us things that are making bells go off inside of us. Mm-hmm. Then that's something to listen to as well. Well, and often for me, I've gotten feedback from like different modalities. Like I'll go to different types of practitioners and they will give me the same feedback. And so when I know that there's something going on and they pick up on it without me saying anything, usually mm-hmm. at that point I'm like, oh yeah, they know what they're doing because they were able to see X, Y, Z. Without you saying anything. Yeah. That's a hallmark of, of medical intuition is that A, can be practiced remotely and B, they need no information. They need no Absolutely. background, no background medical history or life history. Yeah. Right. So I mean, having read the Vanity Fair article and then there was a response from the medical medium, I feel like I want to look up his name. Do you remember Anthony, his name? Anthony William. Anthony William. So having done a little bit of research on that, like what was your hot take on the article and then his response? Because I have my own feelings after listening to the response, but I'd be curious to hear yours. Well, honestly, the article only came into my awareness when our mutual friend put you and I in touch. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's when I first read it. And I, after reading it, I realized, oh, okay, this, 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 it's not my general type of reading, meaning it wasn't meant to be investigative, exploratory about a phenomenon, about medical mm. intuition. So, so I really, oh, okay, so that was a pop culture article that was sort of my my thought. And then, but Mm. I did see Anthony William. I'm not even sure how I stumbled onto this. Oh, I think I was, again, in in preparation for our chat. Yeah. Recently, I thought, well, I wonder what William has to say about it, William being his last name. And then I found that he had done a series of podcasts and, and I did not listen to all of them. I think there were four related to that article and I just listened to the They're pretty repetitive. Oh, were they? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So my takeaway from that is just a, a reminder for people to have a critical lens when they're reading an article and to remember that there's probably another perspective. <laughs> so yeah. So basically the article, just to like recap, and maybe I can move this up in the conversation, but it was a assistant that Michael William had had who ended up dying of an illness And the premise of the article is that she was a real avid believer of his practices and he somehow neglected her as a, as a quote unquote, like patient because of her closeness to his 
role as the founder of this community, which is medical medium community. And so the article was like, she was asking for help and she would just get ignored essentially. And, and they put the blame on him for not taking better care of her, especially because Mm -hmm. she was so closely intertwined with his personal life as an assistant. And what I took away from it, because she was increasingly sick, that she honestly didn't want to go to the doctor's office is the impression I got. I'm sorry, if you get physically ill and someone's ignoring you, you got to take care of your own self. And it felt like there was more pathology there than was maybe addressed in the article that I thought was the real hole in the story is like, Mm -hmm. what is her deal? Because she's not taking care of her physical health. So Mm -hmm. that was my issue with it. But I did think it was interesting to call into question these types of kind of triggering white male figures who get put in this position of like savior, you know, like a Tony Robbins or something. I personally have a really hard time getting excited about that archetype. So I think that made me want to believe some of the story more than I should have because Mm. we find out through Michael William in his podcast he had a reporter on his side who was coming from the side of the people who wanted the story written. And apparently, and this sounds super crazy, but there was a movement to get him taken down through canceling him because of this story about his assistant. And so there's a group of people who like want to discredit him. And this reporter that he's working with to produce these episodes on his podcast recorded all these conversations of these people who, and again, it all just feels really crazy and like too much. And it it feels a little bit like, but this doesn't happen in any of the sweet female centric mediumship communities that I'm a part of, not to say that it wouldn't, but it's just interesting. And so it feels very convoluted and not even about medical intuitive practices anymore. Once you get to the the (laughs) follow-up story. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about that, but. Well, the one one thing that comes forward is, and I, you touched on it, is we can take it as a reminder to, or that we are responsible for our own choices and our own mm-hmm. decisions. Yeah. And this is what any credible medical intuitive would say as well, you know, mm-hmm. that that they're an information provider, take it or not. It's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're empowered to make our own decisions. Like regardless of the situation, Western medicine or not, you know? Yeah, exactly. 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 So yeah, I suppose somebody could do that with whether it's a licensed physician or an intuitive practitioner is give their power away. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that the person in the story did that. I don't know her story, but that's possible for anybody to whether consciously or unconsciously, give their power away to somebody else yeah. thinking thinking that somebody else has all the answers. Now, certainly we rely on each other for help and support and mm-hmm. areas of expertise that we don't have. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, everything should be checked against our own inner guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard because I think the type of person who might at last resort go to a medical intuitive is going to be someone potentially not always, but who's tried everything else. And so Mm -hmm. I think that is what makes that 
type of person or that population, like a little bit more vulnerable to scammers. And that's where I feel like having this type of conversation and bringing more awareness about what it is actually that a medical intuitive is doing and how we all have some of that ability in ourselves. Do you, I'm curious if you feel like from what you've learned and your interest in, I don't want to say like occult practices, but this kind of expanded connection to energy. Do you feel like you've developed any increased intuitive sense about yourself and your well-being? Do you feel a better connection to your own health and energetic state? I love that question. Um, what I have found is that I consciously ask myself that question, meaning if I sense physically something's up within my own body, my first go-to now is asking myself. So mm. I sometimes I make it a big production, meaning I'll, I'll lay down, quiet my mind, center myself in my heart space, I'll set my intentions, ask for spirit's assistance, lack of another word, my higher self, but my, my inner guidance. So, so I said, what I was saying is sometimes I go through a very formal process about it where I lay down and, and very consciously tune in. I did not do that 10, 15 years ago. I definitely, sometimes it's not so a big production. I, I can just sit in my chair and close my eyes and tune in. And I've come to tune into certain organs or limbs or wherever the issue may be. And I've also learned to stay open to broadness, meaning let's say my knee is hurting. I've learned the knee may not be where I need to focus. So meaning mm. when I tune in, just be open to the possibility that something else may come forward, mm. whether it's physical, oh, you're using your shoulder too much, or maybe it's mental mm. or emotional. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yes, I've, I've cultivated a practice. My first go-to is to ask myself, what's up? And ask my body. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love that. What's up, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that it's all okay. Yeah. That's something I'm still learning is to make it all okay. When mm. I have a, a physical ailment, I'm unlearning the idea that there's something, quote, wrong. And I, like I alluded to earlier, I just tend to look at it all as opportunity and what's in this for me and what's wanting to be heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I was, well, I was going to ask on that note, yeah, what would you recommend or is there anything that you want people to know about either medical intuition or, yeah, getting more in tune yourself? But I, I feel like mm -hmm. you just said it. Did you have anything else you want? to share about what you're studying and I would just emphasize that we have a wealth of inner resources within us that we have a wealth of wisdom and inner guidance and encourage people to tune into that however mm. how in whatever way feels good sometimes yeah. just taking a walk being outside soaking in the air, fresh air, nature, that can put us in touch with ourselves and, and our body. But I do think, like I said, we, we do rely on each other for support and guidance. But at the end of the day, what feels right inside of us? So that's what I encourage is, is always checking inside. Mm, that's such a great place to end. Well, and that goes back to the Aries. Like that is 
So one of the things about Aries is it's ruled by the first house, as you said, and which is all about self and identity. Okay. So I thought that was very appropriate when you talked about always questioning what your identity is like grabbing onto. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Both in the good way and the bad way. You know, it's like, yeah, what am I trying to hold on to or what is it that I'm gravitating towards? Oh, I love the way you just phrased that. Exactly. Because it may not feel good to me to identify with a an uncomfortable situation, but it may feel fantastic for me to identify with all that is, to identify with the broadness, the cosmos, just something bigger than my physical self that usually feels really good. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for this wonderful and wild conversation. I hope it was helpful. Thank you, Sarah. It was a joy talking. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for side wooing with us. We release episodes every other week on Thursday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast for good karma points. Until we meet again in the woo.